What's up, everybody? Welcome back to uh, this edition of the Chase Thomas Podcast. Thanks for checking out uh, this edition of the pod early on a Friday. Um, jam-packed show for you today, and not just with this podcast, but three episodes coming to you this morning right here in your uh, preferred podcast player feed. Um, now you got Evan Marinovsky of CLNS Media, who covers the Boston Bruins. We hit on what the current state of the Bruins is, uh, Mr. Rask's retirement, uh, what the goalie situation looks like in Boston, uh, Patrice Bergeron, uh, the latest on him, uh, which lines have been functioning the best as of late, what the Bruins need to do ahead of the trade deadline to contend, storylines that uh, Evan's interested in. Um, what matters most to this team over the next few weeks, um, if they can really contend, um, some under-talked-about MVPs, could it be McAvoy, whoever, um, all that and more on this edition of the Chase the Most podcast. Uh, if you like today's episode or you already are a subscriber and listener here at uh, the Chase the Most podcast here at Blue Wire Pods, um, please do make sure that uh, if you have not already, leave this episode and this show a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Go check out chasethomaspodcast.com today. If you have not already done so, access to every one of my previous episodes right there. Um, make sure to, you know, uh, check out the Sports Renaissance Man. That's me, sportsrenaissanceman.substack.com. Type in an email, that simple. Um, also, make sure to email us if you have uh, any mail questions, mailbag questions on hockey, whatever. Um, shoot me an email, chasethomaspodcast at gmail.com. Also, you can watch this episode and every episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast now on YouTube. So just type in the Chase Thomas Podcast and then uh, you'll find every episode going forward there. Hit that subscribe button, like, share, all that good stuff to get the YouTube page off the ground, the Chase Thomas Podcast on YouTube. Um, all that and more on this edition of the podcast. Uh, all right, Uncle Darren, let's go. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, Chase Thomas podcast. We're back with someone who covers the Boston Bruins for CLNS Media. It's Mr. Evan Marnovsky. Evan, how are you doing, sir? I'm doing great, Chase. I'm happy to be here. This is uh, this is fun. I love talking Bruins. And you're from Tennessee, right? So it's like getting some hockey down south. So I'm actually from Atlanta, but I do go to oh, school nice. here. In Tennessee. So I live in Tennessee. Um, as I tell folks, I'll always be a Georgia boy, but I'm a okay. Tennessee man. So okay. I am. A, yeah, that's a little bit different. I grew up as a mountain Atlanta guy. Um, but yeah, no, um, I am in Tennessee now. So yeah, Nashville up there. They had a tough loss this week with the Capitals. Yeah um the the atlanta thrashers have been defunct for over a decade so not much <laughs> new on that front mm -hmm. yeah it's funny my job actually with ncaa.com which is like mm -hmm. one of my main things is actually down in georgia it's in atlanta oh nice i've yet to be i'm working remote but so i'm i'm kind of a i kind of work in atlanta technically so i'm you know i'm not your level of being from atlanta but you know mm -hmm. i could be from down south for a bit you know i could, I could go for that so okay well, you don't really have the accent. You can pull it off. You don't really got, you, you don't have the Boston thing going. How do you feel about Duncan though? Are you a big Duncan guy? Oh, the biggest. Well, actually, mm -hmm. no, my friend Connor Ryan, who also covers the Bruins is probably he's been on this podcast, bigger. friend of the pod. Yeah, no, yeah, we, friend we, of the we pod. talk about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he's, he's a bigger guy. I can't beat that. I mean, he's, he's got the Boston accent. People mm -hmm. always ask me, they go, is that real with him? And I'm like, oh, it's very real. It actually yeah. could be a lot realer. Um, and he loves dunks. So uh, mm -hmm. it, it ends up. He uh, he just 
Yeah, I can't be bigger than him on dunks, but I do love dunks. That's why I couldn't go to a place, I don't think, and live there without some form of Dunkin' Donuts in the area. What's your go-to at Dunkin' Donuts? Oh, my go-to? See, I'm not the biggest coffee guy, actually. Okay. So I don't, I don't, I'm not big on the coffee. Mm-hmm. Um, I do love the pumpkin. I do love the pumpkin iced coffees in the, in the fall. But okay. I'm a big bacon, egg, and cheese on a croissant guy. I think that is okay. like – it's good. I also like to mix in sausage sometimes because it, it's mm-hmm. more meat. Yeah. Um, but I like the croissant. It's lighter. I used to have bagels and it would like totally mess up my stomach. So I like the croissants. They're good. I like those. Yeah, I'm not a big bagel guy. I, I, if I never have a bagel again for the rest of my life, I'm okay. Love sausage. Sausage is probably my favorite food. Yeah, um, that's interesting. It's a good. It's great breakfast food. Well, it's just great all the time. Like I am oh, one of those yeah. people. If I get some links, I go to the butcher shop and I like chop it all up and then Ooh. just cook it on the on the stovetop. And you put it in a. Oh, you can put it in anything, and you can mix it with pasta. It goes with every kind of pasta. So I try to hit that at least couple days a week yeah no i'm probably gonna die young just for my sausage intake which is not <laughs> I went good through, i went through a phase in college actually with my friends uh where mm-hmm. we would just cook up sausages at all hours of the day we'd cook it you know we'd get home from the bars we'd cook up sausage like <laughs> two in the morning and like, oh my god this is too much uh, but it's so not, good it's, Oh, it's the best. And what's funny is people don't know this. We're recording this at, you know, one in the afternoon. I'm getting hungry. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> I'm getting hungry. We haven't even delved into the Bruins uh, talk yet. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, um, enough Duncan. But I will say, I think uh, Connor did get some some Duncan uh, merch. I think he's so prominent in the Duncan yeah. Donuts community that he actually gets some some merch. He might uh, appear with an Aflac on a SNL yeah. spoof with Duncan he- at some point. He could. He easily mm-hmm. could. Uh, yeah. Now I'm. I'm. Re- I think every pod we've ever done together. I think I always asked him to end it with a departed line, and <laughs> it's it's one of my favorite things. Asking Connor to uh, tell me whether or not he's a cop is one of my all time favorite pastimes here on the podcast because he's <laughs> not a fucking cop. Um, <laughs> it, it's it's so good. Um, well, Evan, we're going to talk about the Boston Bruins, a team that you cover as well, um, that is in an interesting spot. So I want to start right now. What do you make of the Boston Bruins, uh, in the middle of February? You know, that's an interesting question, Chase. Uh, they were a team in January who was really, really good. They came out of Mm. that COVID break gangbusters. They were one of the best teams in the league. And ever since, uh, you know, February has kind of brought some tough times on them, right? Bergeron. Uh, had that head injury. Now it seems like he's going to be back for uh, Thursday's game. You have Marshan with his suspension. So you got these little things that are kind of adding up. You know, Tuka Rask retiring, obviously, was a big thing as well. They're a middle-of-the-pack team. They're above, maybe not mid to middle-of-the-pack, but they're above average. Um, and I wouldn't put them in the cup contender category. They feel like a team that is going to be a wild-card group. And um, I, again, I think we'll get into this later. I don't know how much the deadline changes that given mm. how good the rest of the Atlantic division, especially the teams above them are. So mm-hmm. for me right now, they feel like and I've said this all season. They're, they're, they're just above average. Um, and that's not a terrible place to be. Like you can, you can go on Stanley cup runs with teams like that. We've seen it in past years. That's why I think in hockey, it doesn't, it's not the worst thing to be in that spot. Um, but, you know, again, some people are saying, should they sell? Absolutely not. Like, they're not sellers. Mm-hmm. Um, but they seem like a team that's just right above average. 
Uh, and right now, again, like, you know, I, Marshan, we're still waiting on what his appeal, uh, the appeal news with that and Burr's run with his health. Mm-hmm. Um, so I expect them to, to, to be better. Um, but again, I, I think right now in mid-February, they're just slightly above average. Well, let's talk about Tuca's uh, retirement because it was rumored before the season um, he was dealing with some really serious injury stuff. And I think Cassidy actually said um, a week ago that like the expectation was he was not going to be right. And he was actually kind of ahead of schedule as to where they thought he was going to be. And then it just didn't work out. Like the body was just not responding and it was just, it was just kind of sad, right? Like he tried his hardest to come back and make it work. And then it was just uh, very evident when he did come back ahead of schedule that he was like, Oh yeah, this is, this is not going to work. My body is cooked. Yeah, and I think that's one thing that's tough with him is like he's been so good over his career, so just consistently top of the pack uh, goaltender that it is sad that this was kind of his ending. But it also is kind of what you'd expect, right? Like, Mm -hmm. again, I mean, unless he was going to go off the ice winning a Stanley Cup as a starter for the first time, you kind of expected this to be his ending, right? Where it's like, Mm -hmm. you know, last year was kind of up in the air. Then this year we've kind of been like, hey, what's the deal with him? Like, is he coming back? Do they have room for him? Then he comes back. And then it looks good to start. He was so good in that game against Philadelphia in his first game. And then I think things started to unravel with his body. It's funny, though, during when he was practicing, he never mentioned anything to do with his uh, with his hip. He said he felt great, especially after practices. So it might have just been wear and tear again. Um, he might have been lying. Again. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. About, I, it's hard well, I mean, not lying. That. It's just more of like you just say that you don't want to throw it out there. You're like, I mean, athletes do this all the time where it's like, I feel oh, great. 100%. It's like there's never been an NFL player during the season who's like, my body's great. Like, I'm feeling, yeah. <laughs> feeling phenomenal. Like, the hip's not bothering me at all. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Totally could have been the case. And I think, again, mm-hmm. with him, I think he wanted it to work. I think he wanted to do one last run with this with this group and with these guys. And it's unfortunate that it couldn't play out um, the way a lot of people uh, wanted it to play out in the way that I think he wanted it to play out. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, again, I, I, I think, again, the, the will always be kind of weird. Um, but at the same time, it shouldn't take away from just how dominant he was um, over the past 10 years. So what does the goalie situation look like for the Bruins the rest of the way and going forward? It's an interesting question. Uh, right now you got, you know, Jeremy Swayman and Linus Olmark. Both are go through, you know, good times, some bad times. You know, right now Swayman looks like the hot hand. Uh, mm. He was great against New York on Tuesday night. He was great. He had a shout out against Ottawa on Saturday. Mm. So he looks you know, right right now. I think that game against New York for him was huge in the sense that, you know, we've been kind of waiting for him to have a really, really good game against a really good team this year. He finally did it. Mm-hmm. Um, he did it in New York in MSG of all places. Um, and then Linus Olmark was great right before the All-Star break. Uh, mm-hmm. He was kind of the guy that Cassidy was riding. So right now, it feels like they're going back and forth. And I think right now they're going to sort of split the net between the two. Mm-hmm. And I think the, the difficulty with that, and this is what I said with Rask all the time when he was when it looked like he was going to be in the mix – was who do you go with in the playoffs? You know, can you mm-hmm. split the net in the playoffs when you 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 know you want to ride a hot hand? Can you do that by splitting the net between Olmark and Swayman all year and then going, oh, Olmark, you'll start? Like, I don't know if that can totally work. So I think over the next couple months, over the next month or two, you're gonna start to see if one gets hot, they're gonna play a little bit more, and then maybe that's who they go with in the playoffs. So I think we need these next few months to sort of see. You know, can Olmark separate himself? Can Swayman separate himself to be like, okay, we're going to rely on him for the first two or three games of a playoff series and then kind of see where we're at. My guess is if if the playoffs started today, 
Olmark would be the starter. I think Olmark would be the guy they would go to. He's more experienced. He's older. They also pay him more. Um, so I think that definitely factors in as well. So, um, but yeah, it'll be definitely interesting to see what happens. What is the latest on Bergeron? What, uh, what do you think is going on there? Um, it, I, it looks like he's back I, again. It wasn't a concussion. Mm-hmm. It was just kind of a laceration to his head. I mean, obviously he's a guy with some concussion issues in the past as been well-documented. So I think with him, it was more just kind of waiting till he was recovered from it. Um, mm-hmm. what I always say with, with a guy like Bergeron, where he's up at the end of the year, future kind of in doubt, you don't really know what his deal is. If he's leaning towards coming back or retirement, you don't want these injuries during the year because the more injuries mm-hmm. you have, like, especially with the head, you're like, all right, I played 18 years. I've won a cup. Why am I putting myself through this when I don't have to? Mm-hmm. So I think you you don't want him to continue. Obviously, you never want anyone to get injured or especially Bergeron to get injured. But you really want him to be in bubble wrap this year because, mm-hmm. again, every injury is going to start to take its toll. So my guess is um, we see him on Thursday night against the Islanders uh, back in the lineup. He was in the no-contact jersey at practice on Wednesday. Um, so I expect him to be back. Um and it'll be interesting to see him on a line with, I believe it's Taylor Hall and David Posternock. So that'll be fun to watch. Well, speaking of lines, is there a line that's interested to you the most as of late? Is there something that's kind of clicked in the last few weeks that you're like, okay, this is fascinating. I like tracking this particular line. Yes, it'd be the fourth line. And I know people okay. are like, oh, the fourth line. Uh, but I do think the Anton Bleed, uh, Thomas Nosek, Curtis Lazar line on line four, I think is really interesting. Again, the Bruins are a team that, you know, the fourth line means a lot to them. Bruce mm-hmm. Cassidy loves using them in line matchups. He likes matching up his fourth line against other teams, top lines, getting some production out of it from time to time. Obviously it shows depth, but they've clicked the way they play. I mean, Curtis Lazar and Anton bleed are bruising guys. They're hard on the four check again, good on the cycle, like in the offensive zone. Um, no has a lot of offensive upside. I mean, Cassidy likes moving him up to the second line when, uh, when necessary too. So that line has a lot of potential. Um, and I'm very interested to see, them play against other teams' top lines during the regular season and how they fare, how they fare in those matchups. And then also uh, how they do when the playoffs come around. Because I think that is your fourth line, and you're starting to see that's kind of where they're leaning towards. Because, again, you have guys like Nick Foligno and Trent Frederick who are trying their best to find spots on line three and even line four at times. But it feels like if, if if the playoffs, again, if they started today, my fourth line would be bleed, uh, no second Lazar. Those would be the the three guys, um, the way they play and they complement each other. And again, as I mentioned, you know, another line that um, I've been interested in the past couple games has been Trent Frederick, Charlie Coyle and Craig Smith. Cause I, as I've been saying on Bruins beat, that's an interesting line. Cause if you can make that your third line. You can finally find a spot for Trent Frederick, which they've been trying to do. You find three guys who fit together in the way they play and their play styles and if that's your third line, your only spot to fill is on line one um, at right wing because Craig Smith would be on that line with Coyle. And so if you, that may, if, you know, if you again, if you can't get a JT Miller or a Tomas Hurdle at the deadline and you want to go to plan C or D, you just add a, you know, you add a top six right winger, you know, whether that's a Connor mm-hmm. Garland or somebody else. Uh, and then your top line is Martian Bergeron, the deadline acquisition, or it's even an Oscar Steen. Connor Ryan actually has been talking. One of his predictions for the, um, for the second half was that Oscar Steen would get time on the first line. I thought that was a very interesting proposition, but it kind of makes sense the way Steen plays his speed, his skill. Um, so that could work as well. So again, I think you're, it's encouraging, I think for the Bruins to have that opportunity and, and that, uh, that choice to go to that as the third line with Frederick, uh, Coyle, and Smith. With the roster that they have right now, is there a path to contention? 
this season? That's a good question. Um, a lot of things need to go right. Mm-hmm. A lot of things need to go right. Number one, you need your depth guys, your depth forwards to cash in. And I said this at the beginning of the season. When they signed guys like Felino and Halla and Nosek, I said, look, you know, granted David Krejci's not there, but if you mm-hmm. can get consistent production out of your third line and your fourth line and even your second line at times, you're going to be much better because you're going to be a more spread out scoring attack rather than just – you know, one line like they've been in the past couple of years. So mm-hmm. you need your depth guys to score. You need Eric Halla to start scoring and producing. If he's, you know, again, if they made no moves, what I think what you're saying is if they made no moves. Yes. So again, if, if, if they made no moves, you need Eric Halla to produce between Hall and Pasternak. Uh, you need Charlie Coyle to get that third line producing as it has been, but you need that consistently. Uh, and you need the fourth line to uh, continue to play the way they have been. On D, I think that might even be the bigger question. You mm-hmm. need you need more stable play out of Brandon Carlo. Uh, that's been one thing that's, I think, hampered the defense uh, a lot this year in the sense that he has not been the same reliable shutdown guy that he has been in past years. When he was with Krug, I mean, that was a terrific second D pairing. So you need a little bit more out of him. Whether he's paired with Mike Riley or Matt Grizzlick, you're going to need more out of that. You need more consistent play out of Mike Riley. Um, and then you, know, you need to figure out what your third pairing is going to be, right? Again, Nick, is Connor Clifton going to be your consistent third pairing right shot defenseman? What we've seen so far is that he's a little inconsistent, right? Like you mm-hmm. get you get Cliffy Hockey, which is fun and hitting and like exciting play, or you get like, you know, Cliffy Hockey, which is just kind of like all over the place. So mm-hmm. they have to kind of figure out what they have there. And then in net, you need consistent play and you need, I think also another thing is you need Olmark and Swayman to make the save they're not supposed to make because that's what ends up making the difference in a lot of these games. And again, I think everything I just said boils down to one word. It's pretty cliche, but it's consistency. You mm-hmm. need your depth scorers to score. You need your, you know, you need your guys on defense who are not Charlie McAvoy and even Matt Grizzlick to produce consistently and be reliable in their own zone. And you need Swayman and Olmark to play at an even higher level consistently. Mm-hmm. So uh, is it impossible? No, but Every, I just mentioned a ton of things. And with most Stanley Cup contenders, you'd mention like, a, you know, one or two specific things. And mine was kind of all over the place. So I do think with the roster as is, it is not um, a Stanley Cup contender in my book. Okay. Um, what storyline are you monitoring the most as of late? What, uh, what's gotten you the most fascinated with this team? Oh, that's a good question. Um, Taylor Hall. And I'll tell you why. Because they haven't had that lethal offensive player mm-hmm. on the wings behind David Pasternak and Brad Marshan for a long time. Mm-hmm. And I think having him opens up a lot because teams now have to figure out how are we going to shut him down? Like now that you have Pasternak and Hall together, maybe I'll even extend this to having Hall and Pasternak together. That's a storyline that I'm watching a lot mm-hmm. because you got to focus on both. You got to say, okay, on one end, you have a guy who is an absolute missile of a one-timer who drives play almost as good as anybody in the league and David Pasternak. And on the other side, you have Taylor Hall, who is quick, fast, great at zone entries, um, is great at setting up plays, things like that. You got to figure that out too. Now, down the middle, you have Eric Halla, who's fast as well. So mm-hmm. that's like something you got to consider as well. But game planning around them. Those mm-hmm. two guys for the second line. So they're not, you know, sometimes they're not facing the other team's top D pairing or the other team's top line. They're facing the second line or the third line or the mm-hmm. second D pairing. So 
having that is enough to be a difference maker. And I think that's one of those things that I am so interested in a playoff series to see Pasternak on the second line, which is what everyone's wanted to see for so long, right? Like that's the one thing that who was saying, move him down to the second line. Like you, Martian mm-hmm. and Bergeron are okay on their own, spread out the scoring. So I think with those guys uh, together, I think that's a really intriguing storyline. Another storyline would be Jake DeBrusque and hmm. his trade request. He has not spoken to the media since that became public, which was, I believe, either right before or right after Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. So he's been a guy who um, hasn't spoken much, and he's been consistently trotted out there because they've needed him. Guys have been suspended or COVID or whatever. And he's mm-hmm. been out there, and he's produced a little bit better. But seeing where he ends up going and what the trade, what they end up getting in return, because, again, he was a guy a lot of teams were interested in at the time – but I think the Bruins really are wanting the right return, as they should, for a guy like him. So I'm interested to see what happens with him. You know, is he packaged for someone like Hurdle at the deadline? Like, obviously, he's not the not a one for one for Hurdle, but you know, is he packaged to save? You know, trading away a better prospect. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it, again, that's another interesting interesting thing that I'm following. Okay, I like that. I like that. Um, what matters the most these next few weeks? What What did the Bruins have to do that you have like you just have on your docket that you're like these things need to need to happen? Better D zone coverage, and you saw okay. a little bit in against New York, and they did that without Martian and Bergeron. They packed it in a lot defensively, which is mm-hmm. not a what you not not we always want to do because then you're kind of just like all right, you can have fun on the outskirts, and we'll just kind of get chances as you mess up. Mm-hmm. Um. But I think having better D zone coverage, and that's one thing, you know, again, against Carolina, when they lost 6 nothing, it was just non-existent. So I think just having guys like Mike Riley and Derek Forbert and, um, you know, even your your other lines, your Taylor Halls of the world, just being better in their own zone, you're mm-hmm. going to, I think in that sense, they're going to need better D zone coverage because that, that'll lead, again, to just less goals given up, uh, l- less really good chances on Swayman and Omar. Cause again, this is not too grasp back there. Like you, 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 you have to be very conscious of, you know, let's try to keep them out of the high danger areas, which is something the Bruins have been really good at in the past when they had guys like Chara um, and, you know, just stronger D zone coverage, even guys like Krug get some younger guys in there. Now, you know, I know back in nine ends kind of re- returning from injury that Bruce said did see about him playing on Thursday night. So again, it just kind of comes down to that better D zone coverage. Um, I think it's going to be a really important thing for them um, over these next few weeks. Obviously, goaltending is another thing. Like, you know, Swain mm-hmm. and Omar, as I already mentioned, um, and then just the depth scoring. But for me, the one thing I haven't mentioned so far is, again, that D zone coverage, I think, is so important. Okay. Last thing we'll wrap up here. Um, actually, two things. Two things. Um, la- the second to last thing. The under talked about MVP for this year's Bruins team has been who? Oh, well, the MVP has been Marchand. I think mm-hmm. that's like a definite one. Uh, McAvoy's talked about a lot. So I feel like you're saying under talked about. Yeah, like the one so that it, people don't know, the people that might overlook. Yeah. So I, I won't say a guy like um, like McAvoy because everybody's yeah. looking at McAvoy. And mm-hmm. I won't say Bergeron either, even though he's having like the best defensive season he's ever had. So mm-hmm. like he's someone, but I, again, every, everybody knows Patrice Bergeron. So I'm trying to think. I mean, Oscar Steen, I wouldn't say he's MVP, but he's surprised me the most. He's fit in. He's worked his way up the lineup. Mm -hmm. Um, The fact that we even talk about him being a top six player is incredible. Uh, I don't know if I would say he's the true MVP. Eric Halla, potentially. Um, Just the fact Mm. that he's kind of fit in wherever he's needed. Um, You know, again, Taylor Hall, I looked at as being talked about um, a fair amount. And he's been Mm -hmm. producing a lot more of late. Um, Charlie Coyle looked really good early. 
but he since then the production has not been as good i think as they've wanted he hasn't fit in on the second line the way they anticipated he would um that's a good question the true mvp i think it is underappreciated or or whatever it might be that's a good question i mean i guess i would probably oh man it's hard to say eric Halla because the production level just hasn't been there but the way that he's been able to slot in between uh taylor hall and david posternock has been there as well so again it feels like to me if i had to say i'd probably go with bergeron the other okay. day, I'd probably go Priest Bergeron just because, again, Martian's the true MVP. McAvoy's the anchor of the back end. Mm-hmm. Bergeron's kind of just been that guy who has been steady and great defensively. And, you know, again, he's lost Pasternak on his right side. So I think mm-hmm. my final answer, I know I've just been going through a jumble of no, guys. It's good. It'd probably be Bergeron at the end of the day. And again, it's tough to say he's uh, overlooked because mm-hmm. he's an all-star too. I guess I can even say Martian because he was not an all-star, but... Mm-hmm. We all know Marshan's been the guy. So it'd probably be Bergeron. Probably be him. Okay. And I, again, in, in net, I wouldn't say Swayman or Olmark just because I think they've been good, but not to the level of being an MVP. They have not been the difference maker um, consistently. So it'd be Bergeron. I'll, I'll, I'll say Bergeron. Okay. Um, last thing, we'll wrap up here. Uh, what are your predictions for the trade deadline? What do you think the Bruins ultimately do? Not what the fans want, not what... Uh, you particularly want, <laughs> what do you think they ultimately do? I think with Mar- I remember Cam Neely said this last off season with Bergeron and Marshan, they feel they have an obligation to go for it when they're on their team and they are there. Bergeron and Marshan are going to be there in the fold. So they're going to, I think I think kind of like the penguins. They- they're in that same zone with Crosby yes. and friends where it's like, as long as Crosby Malkin and company are there, we're, we're doing this. You, you got to go for it. And I think yeah. a lot of people just kind of want to see them sell just to like mm-hmm. see different things happen. But I'm telling you, like, that would be brutal to watch for any man. Mm-hmm. Um, I think what they ultimately do, and I said this on Brewers, I think they ultimately, uh, I believe they're going to trade for JT Miller. Okay. I think that is what they end up doing. I think they're going to go hard for second line center. I think that's what they, that, that's the plan. Um, I think they're looking at second line centers. I think that's obviously the biggest hole on the team. I know a lot of people want defensemen. I don't think there's enough. Uh, with the assets the Bruins have, which is not mm-hmm. many compared to most teams, right? When you're going up against teams like Minnesota and the Rangers, who have all these assets and a lot of good prospects, the Bruins don't have that. You know, they have mm-hmm. a few prospects, and, you, you know, do you want to trade another first? They're probably going to have to for a guy like JT Miller. Um, but I think there are more potential second line centers, right? You got JT Miller, Tomas Hurdle, Joe Pavelski. Um, Claude Giroux, who doesn't see, who just seems like he wants to go to Colorado, but still he's another on D it's Jacob Chitron, which like, there's going to be a huge market for that. That's going to cost a ton. And then you have like Mark Giordano who might end up just going back to Calgary. <laughs> so like, there's not a lot in that set in, uh, on the back end. So for me, JT Miller's a guy who has another year on his deal. Uh, he's younger. He's a good two way center. Um, I think it would take a fair amount to get him, but I think the Bruins ultimately would have the assets to do it. And then I think on D they will acquire. Um, oh my goodness, I forget who I said who they would get. I think I said uh, like a Nick Letty. Uh, they okay. would get like a Nick Letty on D, just a stable, very stable uh, potential top four left shot defenseman. You could put, you know, guy. I think I believe I said Nick Letty. It was a few weeks ago that I made this prediction, but I believe it was Nick Letty. Um, I know Connor and and some other people have said like Scott Mayfield from the Islanders. I think ultimately they will go for a 2C and a depth kind of defenseman. They they can't get both. You can't do like a Chitron and um and like a JT Miller. You cannot do both. 
but I think you can um, you can do a two C and a mm-hmm. depth defenseman. So I think that's okay. what they end up doing. No like Mark Andre Flurry. No Mark Andre Flurry. I don't think they end up doing that. I know that got bounced around a bit this weekend. I don't think that's what they end up doing. They just get all the goalies. Like they just, uh, just they do try out. Yeah. It's like what they did for the anthem singer. They had all the people come in and like try out. They'll just do that for goaltending. Yeah, you get a yeah. game, you get to try out, just see how it goes. Maybe you start game one, maybe you get cut. Who knows? Who knows? Um, Evan, how do the good folks keep up with your work this week? And as the trade deadline approaches and the Bruins try and uh, get this thing moving towards contention, what uh, what can the folks go do? They can follow me on Twitter at Evan mm-hmm. Marinovsky. Uh, Bruins beat drops every Tuesday morning, so you can listen to that then. Um, I write, I do a lot of, my main job is NCAA.com. So, uh, college hockey stuff is always over there. Power rankings and articles, mm-hmm. and videos, all the things you could need. So those are the kind of the places. And then obviously check out clnsmedia.com. Uh, that okay. has a lot of stuff too. So any yeah, balls hockey on there? Yeah, absolutely. Any balls hockey? We have the best uniforms in college hockey. I don't know if people know that or not. Yeah. Unfortunately, I don't think there's any balls hockey on NCAA.com well, right now. I because we're that. not real. Uh, it's one of those it's the uh, it's the club atmosphere it's a club team. i know it's not a- i know i know i know you got me scared there for a second i was like wait a second then i was like no they're a club team no but i <laughs> highly like- encourage the good folks to look at it because i want that jersey like i really so, want the balls hockey jersey here's the thing chase and mm-hmm. this is my thing i've always said college hockey is in a great place mm-hmm. now, now you got me going on college hockey but it, it's a good thing it's a good thing mm-hmm. College hockey is in a great place but it would be so cool to see some sec teams because again the issue is with a lot of teams, you know, again, like the NCHC's Midwest and hockey mm-hmm. is up in the Northeast. And uh, a lot of these leagues are in different, you, you, you've got to be kind of in driving distance or like close enough. You're not like playing, you're going across mm-hmm. the country every game. But it would be so awesome to see some SEC teams join the fray, like in Alabama, you know, Tennessee, Flor- you know, Florida, Florida State. Who doesn't want New Hampshire, Tennessee in the Frozen Four? Who, yeah, exactly. Whom's among us? Uh, <laughs> who's among us? Among- but I mm-hmm. also would love to see the jerseys. Yeah, the jerseys would be so cool. Again, imagine like having some Pac-12 teams and seeing like Oregon's jerseys. Yeah, those would be sick. So again, I think at some point um, within the next ten years, it would be really awesome to see some SEC schools be like, "Hey, we kind of want to have you know one of yeah. even if it's five teams, six teams, let's have a league." Um, it'd be really cool because I think those teams would be so. It's like Arizona State right now is so yeah. exciting to me because mm-hmm. again, it's a cool school, fun atmosphere, really cool jerseys. Got a new arena that the Coyotes are playing in, so that whole atmosphere I think is gonna be really attractive to prospective Division One players. And I think a team like Tennessee or well, we got the Ice Bears here, so we got an AHL <laughs> team, so they can just play there. Like it's pretty, yeah. it's easy. There you go. There you go. Yeah. You can make the ice work. Ice works in warm climates. There you go. Yeah. Bears working. I mean, we have the ice bears. What more do you need? Um, there you go. There you go. Um, and actually, I think the Gladiators are now a Boston affiliate, aren't they? The the home team, the Atlanta Gladiators, aren't they? Yes, they are. Is it ECHL, I believe? I think it's ECHL, uh, yeah. Been yes. to a lot of those in my life. So, yeah, yeah shout out to the Atlanta Gladiators. Um, so, there you go. Great There's team. the Boston cross, the Boston crossover. I'll give you a, a scouting report next time I'm back in Atlanta of Perfect. how the, the young guys that's are exa- looking. That's exactly what I need. I need yeah. that. Exactly. <laughs> Evan, thank you so much for the time. I greatly appreciate it. We'll have to do this again soon. Of course. Thanks, Chase. All right. That'll do it for today's edition of the Boston Bruins with Mr. Evan Marnofsky podcast here on the Chase Thomas podcast. Go give him a follow and check out all of his good work. If you have not already done so, um, make sure to leave this episode a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast if you like today. And if you like today and you're not a subscriber, go ahead and hit that subscribe button so you never miss 
a future episode. So um, I would greatly appreciate it. Uh, make sure to go check us out on YouTube, youtube.com, the Chase Thomas podcast right there. Like, subscribe, share it out, all that good stuff. Um, watch every episode uh, if you can. That'd be great. Um, also, make sure to go to chasethomaspodcast.com and uh, Sports Renaissance Man. Sign up for the daily newsletter uh, in your inbox, uh, Chase Thomas Podcast, or excuse me, uh, the Sports Renaissance Man. So that's me, uh, sportsrenaissanceman.substack.com. Email the show uh, if you have any email questions for us, any mailbag questions, anything like that for any of my consistent guests, that's always welcome at chasethomaspodcast at gmail.com. Follow me on Twitter at chase double underscore Thomas and like the Facebook page at facebook.com slash chase Thomas writer. All right, uh, Uncle Derek, how'd I do? Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah.